Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. I have shared in previous episodes that I recently graduated from the Inner MBA, which is or was a nine-month conscious leadership program. One of the guest speakers on the Luminary CEO's track was Bracken Darrell, president and CEO of Logitech, a company I'm sure we're all very familiar with. He has an incredible career that spans over 25 years in business management for successful global consumer companies such as Whirlpool, Procter & Gamble, and General Electric. I was simply blown away by his session and decided to be courageous and reached out to invite him to come and be a guest at Back to Basics. And he said yes. So hello, Bracken, and welcome to the show. Hi, Leticia. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed to hear you say you have to be courageous to ask me to be on a podcast. Well, yes, because, you know, you're a big shot. And uh, for people with, uh, you know, I'm very happy that my podcast has been downloaded in every single continent in the world. So oh, it's viral. Now, I, would, I want to meet the person in Antarctica who's, who's watching or listening. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, well, yeah, I want to meet the one in New Zealand. That's why, you know, there you like, there's some spots that I'm like, I don't know who's doing that. But in any case, and, you know, that was, I'm happy you bring that up because I was so refreshed and I've been through my podcast refreshed when you reach out to a leader such as yourself that is so busy, you know, that has one of those lives that we think, those kind of people don't have time for anything. And they say yes. And I was lucky to have Tammy Simon on the show and Seth Godin. And all of those leaders have a human quality that is hard to define. And for that, I thank you because you give hope to those of us that, you know, are trying to also make uh, ripple effects and, and share the wisdom, uh, you know, in, in both ways. Well, you're very generous to say that, but I have to just correct you and and everybody who thinks about that i don't believe that you know people who are better known or uh than than you might be have busier schedules than you do it's just that everybody has a busy schedule and i love that and i think that's you know you you're gonna be like go and listen to bracken Darius episode because i've heard people you know to say i don't have time for that and almost like minimize people that get engaged into certain activities just because you know i'm a big CEO. I don't have time for that. And I always say, no, I know pretty big, important CEOs that do make time for that. And I think it's a matter of priorities. Well, I just think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you're, 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 it's very easy to lose touch with the world if you're protected by a title and an office and, a, and, an, and a, an assistant and all that stuff. And I really try not to let that happen to me as much as I can. Well, and uh, and for that, I'm very thankful. And so, you know, I always like with the origin story and if you could share a little bit about your upbringing and uh, what were you passionate about uh, growing up? And I always try to establish like how you're living maybe some of those passions uh, in your adult life. Okay. I, uh, I grew up in Owensboro, Kentucky. And uh, my mom was a first grade teacher and she was a 
a single mom from the time when I was about nine. My dad left when I was nine, nine or 10. I can't remember exactly when he left on a Christmas Eve, you know, and just left a note. Wow. And, uh, and, and I was, it was okay for me, but my mom really fell apart, you know, so she had four car wrecks in one year and probably had the equivalent of a nervous breakdown. She didn't have one and, and she would come back and, and second guess herself all the time and talk to my siblings and me, I think certainly me and, and ask for advice, you know, and, and, or just share what she was thinking. And she was often thinking, second guessing things that she had done or either in her work or where she taught or, or in her, in her marriage, you know, and, and I remember at one point saying to my mom, Hey, if you just draw, imagine you're standing on a beach, you got a stick in your hand, you draw a line behind your heels, everything behind you is just for learning and everything. Your whole life is right here you know, in front of you. And, uh, and I don't know if that helped her very much, but it certainly helped me, you know, and, and I've lived that, uh, I've tried to live that belief, uh, for the rest of the time since then. And I, and what that means for me is I, I don't spend too much time second guessing or, or regretting or or celebrating you know successes or whatever i just try to eliminate them from my vocabulary and uh and think of instead of using even using the word failure and success i try to use the word learning and i think that 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 particular instance probably colored the the, the path of my life dramatically you know and and i guess the other thing that the passion that i had growing up that really did affect me was i was a I was always in sports, especially basketball, and that's why I hurt this playing basketball recently. But I, 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 that put me kind of in de facto leadership roles, and and it got me excited about the idea of leadership, and so that that put me on a path to what I'm doing, what I've been doing ever since, which is trying to be a leader um, in a world of uh, a lot of change. Interesting. Well, that's definitely, you know, I see that you had wisdom somehow, in, inherit wisdom from a young age. So now that doesn't make it surprising. <laughs> how you do. Yeah. And, um, you know, while well, your mom obviously went through a non-desirable experience and all of you losing your dad, but I'm glad that, and now your siblings were uh, boys, girls, you have brothers. Uh, two older brothers and a younger sister, and they're all, they probably could tell a very similar story. You know, they, They're doing great. You know, one brother lives in North Carolina, one brother lives in Kentucky, and then my sister lives in Kentucky. So. Oh, that's great. So so I've heard you talk about, and now that's kind of mapping with what you're saying about, you know, um, the story of two drivers. I think you said this on, on the IMBA in terms of where you end up in your career. From that moment in your life, did you already have mapped your goals? Was that leadership part of your goals or... or You know, if you can share a little bit, because I think that's a great story that you shared during the IMBA. Two drivers is just an analogy I used to use with, uh, you know, whenever I talk to students, usually. And I would, I, I said, you know, imagine there are two people who've got a car and they want to go and they're told they can, you know, go drive around for a couple of weeks. You know, what, where do they go? And one is the... Um, is the type that just says, Hey, I just want to live, you know, I want to live it, you know, and they jump in the car immediately and they get started and they drive, there's no GPS and they just drive around and they, they, uh, they, you know, they see a lot of cool things. And then, and then two weeks later, they've camped, they've, they've gone around, they've, and then when you, when they step back and you look at the map, they saw a lot of the same things, you know, similar things over and over again. And, And they and they started in uh, you know where Charlotte, North Carolina, and never got too far out of Virginia, North Carolina, and and they saw a lot of the hills and beautiful scenery of North Carolina. But the other the other one 
pulled out a map first thing. It's free GPS. Said, okay, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go to uh, San Francisco. And so they ma- you know map the path to San Francisco, and then they drive across the state of you know North Carolina and Kentucky and Kansas, which is really flat, and into the mountains and the Rockies, and then out to California, and then finally they get to California. Where you know there's desert and there's and 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 lot and there's all kinds of things in between, and maybe they get there actually pretty quickly because they use the map and they get there within four or five days and they said, oh, you know, San Francisco's okay, but I think I want to go see L.A. And they drive down to L.A. I always use that analogy because you know the two drivers spent the same amount of time and it shows the power of a goal because if you just have a goal, even if you're not sure that goal is the one you really want, you end up you end up learning so much more because you line everything up. And you you go down a path that drives ends up driving a lot of learning in a very coordinated way. I I think those two drivers are in all of us, you know. And the question is, which one do you want to be today, or which one do you want to be for the rest of your life? Um, sometimes it's fun just to get in the car and drive, but you don't want to do that with your career or with your you know significant other or whatever. You really want to have you want to turn it into something. And even if you decide you're wrong with that, whatever that goal was. You'll go a long way, and especially if you're if you're at a point in your career where you're trying to figure out where to go next, set a big goal, set it out there somewhere in the future. Mm, yeah, and that's why I liked it so much because we do have you know a younger audience that you know that also thinks you know what should I study, and they think I've said this before, it's a straight line, and I always say it's never a straight line. Never. Never. And so if you embrace the idea that it's not going to be a straight line, even yeah. you can have a goal, but you can take many routes to that goal. That's right. And, and so that's why I loved about that. And also the fact that at the end of that story, you said something that people don't expect, which is, oh, I maybe don't like this as I thought, yeah. I, you know, and that's a twist that I think we also forget of the journey that maybe when yeah. we get there, we don't like. It. Yeah. And, and And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with Setting a goal you're not sure is really what you want. You know, if you're, if you're, you know, I used to relate this to people because everybody, everybody talks about passion today. They say, you know, you need to follow your passions. And you know, Steve Jobs, commencement address at Stanford, which is 17 minutes long, is probably the best commencement address. Oh, well, I listened to Jeff Bezos the other day. It's pretty good. <laughs> um, and in that, he talks about, you know, if you haven't found your passion, don't stop looking. And I agree with that. But I think there's some point where you got to get on with your life, you know, and, and so set a goal, say, okay, I'm going to be a blank or I want to be a blank. And then once you have that goal, you just start driving toward it and, uh, and build your own conviction. You can create conviction about something and build your, and then as you get closer and closer to that goal or, or farther and farther along the way, you'll, you'll find other things. You know, it's amazing what you discover along the way to anything. It's usually the most important part of the trip. And same thing's true when you're trying to achieve a big goal, like a career goal. You know, it's much more important what you encounter along the way. And often that changes your path and not only the way there, but actually the destination. And there's nothing wrong with that either, as you said. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of goals because I think they're totally free and, and, they, and they're the most powerful thing I know of that, that you can get. So why wouldn't everybody have some? Absolutely. And I totally agree with you. And uh, so I'm curious because obviously you had your goals and you had your strategy and you went on obviously in business management and and really were for, I mean, the best of the best, you know, big companies, Procter & Gamble, Whirlpool, General Electric. Was there a point in that that journey where, you know, like a lot of people struggle with that? Like, if I want to be successful, I cannot also have balance in my life. And I think that that's kind of something that we're trying to break, I think, in the new 
thought leadership that we say you you can actually have a little bit of both. Did you ever feel that you were pulled too much in one direction to get to where you are? First, I have to say I am a man. And, you know, I think life has always been unfair for women and uh, actually it's been unfair for all underrepresented groups and, and men, especially white men have been advantaged. So we've been very privileged. So I, the rest of my answer has to be prefaced by saying I was super privileged, you know, but the answer is I always, um, I don't like trade-offs. You know, I don't like the idea of trade-offs. I don't like the, the idea that you can't, if you do this, you can't do that. If you do you know, and it's obviously true. I mean, there's there's certainly you know, there's so many hours in a day, so many you can only walk in one direction at a time. But I I I hate the idea so much that I always think you know we probably short um, short ourselves on what, what's really possible by assuming that you can't do things. And so I have this view that when it comes to work life balance, I don't like the term balance at all, and I don't even like the term work in life. I, I sort of think if you're lucky, or if you do find something you're really excited about. It doesn't feel like work and it's all part of your life. So then it comes back to you just live your life so that you can try to include everything you want in it. And of course, sometimes you make decisions that that mean that something takes a backseat for a while. If you want to be a creative writer, but you're on your way to being a CEO, then maybe you don't get to write as often as you'd like, but that doesn't mean you don't, you're not going to write. And if, you know, and if you're, and if you're a director of marketing and you're, you find yourself needing to be on this trip and it's your daughter's birthday, you might have to say, no, I'm not going to be on that trip and, and let the chips fall where they may. Or you, or you might decide, no, I'll go on the trip and we'll celebrate my one-year-old daughter's birthday this weekend. I think those decisions do have to be made, and those are work-life trade-offs. But generally, I wouldn't encourage anyone to think of life as a trade-off. I think life is a is a, an ever-growing opportunity to do more and more and experience deeper and deeper relationships, especially. And I just don't, I don't like the term work-life trade-off. It sounds like, you know, I hate my job, so I can't wait to get out of it to experience my life. And if that's really the case, I think you need to try to find a way into another job, either through education or through experimentation. But short of that, you know, I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't encourage anybody to think about life as this trade-off between what I have to do and what I want to do. And that's why I wanted you on the show because I really am on a purpose to like, you know, also shed some light into people that are creating the life or have created the life they want where they are happy, where they, yes, they have demanding jobs, sometimes crazy schedules, but they are bringing all of who they are to the equation and not just part of it. And I know, I mean, of course, I follow you on LinkedIn and you're extremely uh, inspirational and you're very involved. Thank you for calling on the diversity thing. I'm very passionate, but I always say I'm not a feminist. I'm an equalitarian. Like I would like everybody to to have just the same opportunities regardless of anything else, you know? But that always brings a lot of issues. So the, the fact to have somebody like you just acknowledge, yeah, well, you know, we lived in a time where being white and men had a lot of benefits for a, for a long time. And, 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 you know, just that acknowledgement, I think it's a healing acknowledgement in, in the well, way you did it. Well, thank you. Let me, let me comment on your comment on I'm not a feminist, I'm an egalitarian. I am a feminist and I am an egalitarian. I, I think, yeah, and I am an anti-racist and I am into equality. You know, I think there are things that you can believe in that seem to favor, seem to favor an underrepresented group, but actually don't. They're, it's just that the equity of those groups is so far off of where it needs to be. 
that you need to, the, the work needs to be done to, to correct it. And, and I think that's what feminism is really all about. And that's really what anti-racism is all about. And so I'm, I'm, uh, I think when it comes to underrepresented groups and I sit in the most privileged group, the, the white male, at least in this part of the world. And I think we all have to be anti-racists and, you know, whether you call it feminism or you call it egalitarianism, we all have to figure out what in the world is, have we created that is systemically blocking, discouraging, ending career advancement and great jobs and things for, for women, for black people in general, for Latinx people, for, for people of all identities. This to me is not the job of the underrepresented groups. It's the job of everybody. That really is an egalitarian job. And that means it's definitely the job of the privileged white male. No, that's definitely, if I could clap, I will. Well, yeah. And just to come, just to give perspective as a woman, you know, every time, and if this has happened to me because I'm very involved in, in diversity and equality groups, if I dare say, you know, I'm, I'm going to go because I want to get dinner started, but I cook because I love to cook yeah. for my family, something I love to do. Yeah. As a woman, I come from that kind of background that if I can, I do it very happily. But, you know, unfortunately, because there's always extremes in everything we do, you have, sometimes you get criticized as a woman for wanting to do things yeah. that are you know, and that also. Exactly. <laughs> so, but that's why, you know, you have to fine tune at the same time. I love that my kids sometimes think I don't work because I'm always there for them when yeah. they need me. And some women say, no, you have to teach them that you're working just like the men do. And I say, well, but as a mom, it makes me feel great that they have me when they need me. So it's always, you know, that discussion that can go so many different ways. For sure. <laughs> so, but uh, I do agree that we need champs. We need men that like you that help us move all fronts of, of, of inequality. So uh, for that, I thank you. And so one of the questions is, how do you generate excitement and conviction within your own team? Because you lead up, I think, over 6,000 people, maybe I'm yeah, at Logitech. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, you know, that's a, how do we generate? Well, maybe the easiest way to think about that is, first of all, I, I'm sure I don't generate enough inspiration or excitement among 6,000 people. When I do, I think it's usually because I personally feel so strongly about something. And it's contagious. Now, if it, if I only feel strongly about something, and I don't do anything about it, I don't actually act on it. You could really question how strongly I feel. So I think the times when I'm the most inspirational is when I actually do what I'm what I'm obviously excited about. You know, if I'm, I'm if I'm excited about the environment, which I am, if I actually put my neck out there and say, "Here's what we're going to do," and I'm going to put my reputation, my job on the line for that. That's pretty inspiring because it means I'm really serious. And so that probably inspires some people. Prakash Arankundra, who's my head of operations, who is amazing, you know, he declared in, to me. And then, and then we declared to the rest of the company, we're going to be a leader, if not the leader in tech and sustainability. And you know, that, that was kind of inspiring for a lot of people, first of all, because they liked the idea. And secondly, because they could see that you know, if you say that out loud, if you say it in public, you're suddenly on the line. Now, I'm not a big fan of always doing that. I don't think you have to go out and put a billboard up that says, here's what I'm going to do just to inspire people. Another way of inspiring people is really caring about them. You know, if you genuinely, honestly care about people, then it, you will find, uh, I think you'll find, you'll discover how easy it is to inspire them. Because if you really care about them, you want to tell them the truth. Uh, but you obviously don't want to hurt them. You want to help them. 
and people feel that you know and i think that that uh is impossible to fake that is true authenticity goes a long way it does and and when people hear like that happened to me when i heard you speak for the first time i say well this guy is authentic <laughs> so, because sometimes you hear people that, you know, they want to, they, they do a great speech, but it's just, and maybe they are authentic, but sometimes the, that passion doesn't, you know, get to others. And that's why, you know, with this podcast, which again, is something I did on my own conviction, doesn't have anything to do with work and people, I always joke, people still think like, why is she doing this? And it's okay. because every time I had a, an inspirational conversation like this, I wish I had other people there, my friends or people I yeah. want to, to say, I wish you had heard him say this uh, yeah. to inspire. And so that's why I wanted to bring this podcast to life so that... Oh. I find that it, I, I find that very inspiring because it's both you you obviously care you know about other people because you you did it you know because you want other people to hear something that, that they might miss and you have this passion around it and obviously you wouldn't be doing this if you didn't so I find that inspiring you know that's the I'm really inspired almost every day you know I find myself today you know like in the last you know 10 years I find myself crying out of excitement more than I ever have in my life, you know, and I don't know if that's male menopause or if that's something, but I really do. Uh, I really do feel that. And I, and it's, I'm, I'm kind of easily inspired by, by people who really care about other people. And then people who really, you know, aspire to do great things. Uh, well, I'm inspired by you and thank you for that. And so I know you're a busy guy, so, and I could talk with you forever, but I just want to give you, you know, an open space. Is there, we are living in crazy days, crazy world right now. Is there anything that you think, you know, like, oh, I wish this was different or we, as a humanity or as, you know, uh, in your job, anything that you look at and you're concerned about in terms of where we are as a world? And as yeah, I, I tell you, let me start with what I'm not, uh, what I'm less concerned about. I'm less concerned about the economy that's coming. I'm less concerned about the inflation that's here. I'm less concerned about the, uh, you know, the, the problem of, of buying things or this or that, you know, and it's not that I'm not concerned about them. I don't want people to ever be hurt, but I, you know, in any small or, or medium or, or sometimes the terrible large ways, but, but I am less concerned because those are curable problems. I'm much more concerned about, you know, global warming. You know, I think global warming is an existential threat. And if it, it's at least a, a threat to the, quality of life of the of the generation that follows me and and all those after but it might be much more serious than that even if if you really believe and i do the data so you can we can all agree it's a threat to the quality of life and probably most of us will agree it's actually a threat to humanity so that's what i'm very worried about and that's why we're out there so aggressively you know carbon negative we're we're, we're committed ahead of everybody else on carbon negative you know, positive carbon neutrality we're already there you know, labeling our products for carbon, trying to get other companies to do it. I just feel very strongly about that. The second thing I'm very concerned about is the progress that's ahead of us on, um, on, on what you call equality or diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's become uh, almost like a catch-all phrase for a lot of things, but when it gets down to it, it really means helping people live a great life, you know, and all people live a great life. And I'm very concerned about that. Every day I realize more and more how how big the gaps are and 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 that the gaps are not the they're they're all almost all caused by 
historical precedent. You know, and it's just so painful when you realize that. And you can't snap your fingers and solve all that. But I'm I'm certainly worried that that uh, leaders aren't taking enough ownership for this. They can say the right things. They can even create plans, but real conviction, really, really feeling conviction, like we are going to make this happen. And I am going to do every single thing I need to do to make that happen and, and dream of more. You know, I don't feel that enough today. It's much better than it was, I have to say. I mean, poor George Floyd is probably, um, he deserves a, a lot of credit and so do all the people who were murdered before him. And so do all the women who had to put up with the Me Too movement. And, you know, all that precedent has created a, a wave that's here, but it needs to be stoked. It needs to be driven and ridden. And, and all of us in any kind of leadership position need to get all over that and just own the result and make it happen. And so I'm a little concerned about, I'm not a little I'm concerned about that. So those are the two things I'm most concerned about. Well, that's uh I think uh, that shows, you know, the, the level of consciousness and, and I'm very happy. That's why when I see a CEO at your level and I hear him speak and I say, yes, at least these companies that, you know, you have products that and you don't need to explain. I have had guests that are pretty high, even Tammy Simon, who, who's uh, been a guest. You know, some people don't know sounds true that, and that's okay. But you, you represent a company that you say the CEO of Logitech and everybody knows. So, wow. Yeah, I have something. So you're in a unique position and I'm very, very happy that you're there because I know you're helping so many causes. And, and, and with that, you know, the last question of my, all my episodes uh, go back to in the times where, you know, you need to resource yourself. You had a terrible day or you don't feel connected with your source. Uh, what makes you tick other than basketball? Because I know we share that passion. I'm also played basketball all through high, elementary and high school, although Good I'm a shorty. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, I, I'm, a, I'm an optimist. You know, I, I, uh, I'm a committed and practical optimist. So in my worst day, I can usually find the silver lining. And even in the, your very worst day, there's a lot to learn from what happened. You know, and I think you can, you can dwell on how bad it was or you can ponder how much you got out of it. And I haven't experienced anything in my life that I didn't learn from. And good days and bad days. Probably I didn't learn enough from the good days and, and probably learned uh, the most from the tough ones. So in a way, every bad day is a gift. You know, it's like the, the day that you got, that boy, it hurt, but you got a lot out of it, you know, and, and I always feel that way, you know, and I, sometimes I don't feel that way in the moment. You know, you go home at night, you're, you just feel crummy or the, or midway through the day. But, but looking back on all those, all those tough moments, you know, it's, and, you know, I think, I think the only way that works though, is if you can manage to, if you can manage your own regret. You got to draw that line behind your heels and say, everything behind me is just to learn from. I'm not going to sit here and regret it. You know, I'm not going to blame myself. I'm not going to blame everybody else. I'm just going to learn from it. And, and I'll take ownership for here and forward, you know, for what's in front of that line. I, I own it, you know, because I think regret is a, uh, regret is a destroyer of, of everything. You know, regret takes away the present, you know, it eats into your future. It, it sucks away your dreams. You know, it's, it's, you know, if I think about the, the the power of of hope and and therefore goals and and human potential, you know, they just dwarf dwarf regret. Regret's just a negative. 
So if you could find your way away from regret somehow, whatever tools you need, and I have to say, I've got mine, so they work for me, but they may not work for you. But if you can, whatever tools you need to get away from that, to get the voice in your head to, to quiet down and focus on the potential, then those bad days aren't so bad. Mm, that is great. That is great. And I thank you for that. I'm pretty sure <laughs> this is an episode where I'm going to get the emails and notes on the podcast saying, thank you for that. This is what I needed. <laughs> and that's because it's very, very inspirational. So- I want to talk personally to that person in Antarctica. Who's oh, I will. I will make sure to make that connection. Then you get that email. You tell me, all of you Antarctica listeners. Okay. I, I will make that connection for sure. Well, okay. thank you, Bracken, for a great, great chat, and thank I wish you all the best. And thanks for keep leading the way. Thank you, Leticia. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Good luck to you. Bye. Now. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe. Rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you and until the next time.